0: Welcome back to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast with Doug Winters. I am delighted to be bringing you episode 94. My guest is Sarah Koval. She's an amazing event planner. It's all throughout New England, including Boston, the Tanglewood area, and the Berkshires. Anyway, her background is incredibly impressive. And here's Sarah.
1: Hi, Sarah. Hi, (laughs) Doug.
0: So you have an amazing resume. Started at the Breakers, then Abigail Curse. Then the Four Seasons mm-hmm. in Boston. Then you and your husband opened Catalyst Restaurant. I'm assuming he's running it while you're doing this. Yes, it reopens for COVID. Which hardly yeah. affected our business at all.
1: I mean, it's <laughs> just been a blip.
0: Your specific part of the industry, which I think is the hardest part, you're responsible for everything. Like I say to every planner, if right. the band's too loud, it's your fault.
1: That's right. You know, if,
0: But... You guys, you associate with each other, you count on each other, and you have a support group, whether it's Engage. Newell McCone, who you said you met at the Breakers years ago, she talks about it like her extended family. They all know each other. They talk to each other, and they talk about problems they're having or pricing or whatever. I don't know another band leader, nor do I have any desire to know any other band leader because I think this part of the business is ripe with amateurs. This and photography. I could go to the Guitar Center this afternoon, pick up what five six thousand dollars worth of equipment, mm-hmm. hire a bunch of really good musicians, and say I'm a band leader. You can go to B and H Photo or Adorama, buy a super expensive camera, and say I'm a wedding photographer.
1: So those are the two vendors: the photographer and entertainment that I'm the most protective of, in the sense that you know I want my clients. Obviously, like they're hiring me to guide them point in the right direction. Yeah. So those are the two that I kind of get a little weird about. Okay, you agree with me? Oh yeah. My friend's, you know, cousin's band. I'm like, okay, great. Well, where are they from? <laughs> are they an actual band? You know, do they do weddings? There are weddings with means that will hire an, a touring label band, but do they know how to actually interact with a wedding, you know, or are they just going to be a concert? That's I think, in my opinion, the sign of a good planner is somebody that's kind of just standing there during the wedding day because, like, all the planning is...
0: It's all done done beforehand.
1: All done. You know, we communicated with all the vendors. Everybody knows what's expected. For the most part, I mean, it should just be pretty smooth.
0: So tell me about you. Well,
1: I grew up in the Berkshires. I grew up in Stockbridge. split my time between the Berkshires and Huntington Beach, California, where my dad lived from the time I was 10 on. So... Fun fact, I'd never seen the ocean around here. I would never been to a beach on the East Coast until I was, I think, a senior in high school because my parents shared custody of me and my sister. So during the school year, we'd be in the Berkshires. And then as soon as school got out, we flew to California and we were there for all the vacations.
0: Not exactly something out of Dickens <laughs> or no,
1: they're really, really wildly different, which I thought was actually pretty cool to have two very different experiences growing up. Then I went to UMass Amherst. I majored in psychology, which I always joke comes in very handy with my line of work. Then I went to grad school in Boston at Emerson.
0: And what was your major?
1: Integrated marketing communications, which was very boring. And I had a job at Putnam Investments as someone's assistant. And I just remember riding the T to work every day, going like, this cannot be life. Like, this is terrible. It's so boring. I have to wear a pantyhose to work. And this is just all awful. Like, not fun and not creative. And then I moved to Palm Beach with friends, um, two friends. Good job. We just moved down
0: there. No offers, no nothing. Nothing, just... nothing.
1: And growing up in the Berkshires, I worked in hospitality because that's the local economy. Everyone's there in the summertime, as you know, for Tanglewood and... I was like, well, I've worked in hospitality. I worked at country clubs as a server and I know what I'm doing. And I walked into the breakers and I applied for a catering manager job and they just were very kind. And they're like, no, (laughs) however, you could (laughs) be a banquet supervisor. And I was like, great, sign me up. So I did that. And I was so naive. I wasn't intimidated, I guess. And that was probably a really good thing.
0: Also, you would what 21 yeah i was so young 22
1: 23 something like working with the most talented event producers in the country
0: could you describe the breakers i've heard about it for years and the reason i know about it is because so many of the people that i've interviewed go to engage every year Mm -hmm. or two three times a year last december was supposed to be at the breakers right and they said they were they always do it at five-star resorts could you please describe what defines a five-star resort obviously it means the peak of luxury or does it not
1: no i think it's defined as the peak of luxury i think above and beyond anything else it's all about the service at that level they anticipate your needs before you even know that you need something i think it's like you just walk into a place and you feel like you're going to be taken care of obviously most of these five-star luxurious properties are beyond spectacularly beautiful but that aside i think that's really what it boils down to is the service Guest recognition and kind of thinking of everything before you even know that you want it and all those little pieces that come in.
0: You're literally saying the same thing that one of the people that I had interviewed, Ryan Hill. Oh,
1: I love Ryan. Yeah, I know Ryan. Oh, yeah?
0: Yeah, he's so sweet. He literally describes knowing who the VIPs are at an event and assigning a server to make sure that that person's glass, when it's half empty, is refilled before they have to ask for it.
1: Sure. It's anticipating guest needs. And I think that I'm really fortunate that having worked at hotel and five-star hotels in various roles has really given me a little bit of an edge when it comes to understanding operations, understanding who knows what at a hotel, understanding how long it takes, physically how much space you actually need for servers to get around tables, like all those, I guess, dorky logistics that some, that aren't fun,
0: about no i i know what you're saying the technical and they're, they're a little bit boring but they have to be done they, they have, have to be taken done. care of and
1: you know what like if you're smushed at a wedding it doesn't matter how beautiful it is or how delicious the food is if you're crowded and the server's constantly bumping into your chair it, that's what you're going to remember so like all those little things kind of come into play
0: yeah how do you know ryan just
1: we're mutual friends we both do go to engage i might have better been engaged. I don't remember.
0: So you yeah. know Jose Rolone. I know
1: Jose you... very well. Yeah. Not from engaged though, but just through mutual friends.
0: I like your mutual friends.
1: I know. It's a small world.
0: But that's what shocked me, is that he's friends with Erica Taylor and Ryan Hill. And you're friends with all of them. And you all do the same job.
1: Yeah. Why do you think of it as like it's your competitor, so you don't want to be friends with them? Is that like why you're surprised? Or yeah. just curious? Well, one, I like them as people. And two, I think we're kind of in this industry, like rare breeds of people, you know, we're creative and fun and we like other people. And I think that most of us are pretty extroverted. And I think that makes for a good combination for people having fun and liking each other. And also, you know, like I have a group of planner friends. It's not my idea. It's my dear friend's idea, but she's creating this collaborative where we can all help each other out on dates that maybe we're not working.
0: Who is that? Just some, I'm just curious, who is that?
1: Tara Consolati. She's based in the- Berkshire Who is
0: coming on the podcast in three weeks. Oh, good. Because you were both <laughs> yeah. introduced to me by Joy Locke. Who is lovely too. Who is yeah. literally, I think I might be in love with
1: her. <laughs> I'm not to love her. She's so
0: fun. She knows everybody. She must've introduced me to, including you and Tara, A dozen people, for real. And it doesn't even occur to me how she knows them all.
1: (laughs) Because she's a caterer and she's a nice, warm person. So I mean, the combination of the the two—the catering—puts her in front of everybody, and just the fact that she's so likable, (laughs) I mean, people. Yeah.
0: Tell me about your business. You have this incredible resume: The Breakers, Palm Beach; Abigail Kirsch, the Four Seasons Hotel in Boston, and is that a five-star? It is. Okay. So who designates it a five-star?
1: mobile AAA. Obviously you have to have a beautiful physical property, but it boils down to the service. And that's what makes it a five-star the people that work there. Both of those hotels that you mentioned, I mean, their employee retention rate is off the charts. Really? Yeah. I mean, I worked at the Breakers 15 plus years ago and there are still people that work there. Like I'll go down. I was down there in January. December? No, January. And I still bump into people that I worked with there. I One of the catering managers, Katie, still there. She was there when I was there. And it's just a great place to work. I mean, it's, it's very different working for like a family owned business versus more of a corporate hotel chain. Definitely like both have their highs and lows. I mean, the reason why people stay there for a long time is it's a great place to work. And then the Four Seasons was great too. I mean, as you know, Boston's a small city. Everybody knows everybody, and it was a great experience. And the same thing, I place business there all the time because I know they're going to take amazing care of my clients. Again, probably fifty percent of the wait staff in banquets is are, are, are people that worked there when I was there. Wow. Okay. Ten, 10 plus years ago. Yeah, so that's, that's great. It is, and that's what it boils down to: are these amazing people that work there that provide an unparalleled level of service compared to other hotels where you know there's maybe
0: more turnover or. I mean, everybody hates the word vendors, but I can't really think of another, you know, strategic partners sounds so.
1: I know. And other people use creative partners and I'm like, well, they're not always creative. Sometimes they're.
0: (laughs) So five-star hotels, are they, is it just assumed that they're more expensive?
1: I I would think so. Yeah. I would
0: think so too. Yeah.
1: If you hire a good planner, you know, if you do have like a healthy budget that might not be endless you know, you have a slightly smaller guest count and you're flexible, but you understand and appreciate
0: quality and you want make up a scenario.
1: Um, okay. So say a client comes to me, they don't have an endless amount of money. You know, they have a set budget, a hundred thousand. Okay. Right. And they have a small ish guest count, like maybe 75 people or so. Cause I think like when we throw around numbers, like, Oh, it's, we have a, five hundred thousand dollar budget, we have a hundred thousand dollar budget. I'm like, okay, but that doesn't mean anything unless you tell me how many people you're gonna have. You can't just roll up to a luxury venue and say, like, here's my budget and I want a Saturday in peak season. Yeah. Hopefully. If you right. are really valuing that experience of understanding the quality and wanting to have no, you can always go to the catering person and, and say, Hey, like here's my budget. I'm open to you know, Fridays, Thursdays, Sundays, you know, I'm open to whatever you have available. Do you have any need dates? Because who knows, maybe there's a Saturday in January they want to fill, you know? So if you're flexible in that way, then you can actually get a really awesome value um, for a smaller budget in those kind of circumstances.
0: Tip number one from Sarah (laughs) Koval.
1: Seriously. You're not asking for a discount. You're asking... To fill a need that they have, and in return, they're offering something that's going to work within your budget. So it's kind of like a win-win for everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Is it a venue? Are you tenting? It's. I, I think that budget conversations are so um, tough to generalize. I love a Jewish mom who has done like four bat mitzvahs or bar mitzvahs. So she kind of understands. Knows it all. What is like involved, and she gets it, and I appreciate that. Yeah, um, but you know, aside from, you know, Jewish weddings where the moms probably already planned a million of these. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's our job really to like walk people through. And like those conversations are not super fun to have in the very beginning, but budget is definitely one of the first things we need to talk about because it's, I think, shocking for most people. But once you start walking them through, through everything, especially the dads, if a dad is involved in the budget conversations, like, where do you take your wife out for dinner? And he'll say like a steakhouse because that's what most dads do. Oh, that's funny. And, and then I'll say, well, how much do you usually spend if you were to go and like have, you know, like a seafood tower and then a salad and both of you had entrees and then you have dessert and then you have like a nice bottle of wine. And I feel like the light bulb goes off right then. That's $300? Probably more like five or $600, okay, right? Yeah. So that's just for food. And, and that's not including- Parking. Like, renting. <laughs> yeah. Band, flowers, lighting- It helps people understand, especially dads, understand, you know, like how it all comes together. And I feel like back to that conversation about like an overall budget, that scares people. And I think it's kind of unnecessary. It's like more important to talk about what you're going to spend per person because that's the driving force behind the budget.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So how do you subdivide, like, for example, what I do?
1: Sure. I mean... (laughs) And that's the conversation that I would have the clients basically saying, like, there are, of course, fixed costs like entertainment, like photographer who are going to charge what they're going to charge, whether you have 20 people or 200 people, Right. you know, it's, it is what it is, but there are all the other valu- variables when it comes to food, beverage, design, does all the design elements fluctuate based on the number of people, right? Those are the ones that are kind of all over the place based on
0: You're a designer and a planner, or will you ever hire a designer?
1: I do hire designers. Okay. I have a few that I partner with. So yeah, it depends on the client's needs. If I'll do it in-house or if I'll hire out. I don't do one or the other. I kind of am flexible.
0: On your website, it says New England, Boston Proper, Berkshires, and New York. The Westerly, in Westerly, Rhode Island?
1: Oh, that's where I was with Joy.
0: Looks recently. Oh, that's where you were? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mostly, every year it's a little bit different, of course. Um, I would say m- most of the time I'm doing the majority of my events in Boston and New England, the Berkshires, but I do destination too. Like coming up this year, I have one in St. Thomas, South Carolina. I mean, kind of wherever the clients take me. That, to engage, I feel like that's such a big benefit for a planner. The reason why I find it valuable is, one, I kind of, like you had mentioned, they they go to these amazing locations, which I kind of look at as like this fam trip. So I'm going to go and really get to know this property, be able to speak really knowledgeably about it to potential brides or or grooms. But also secondary to that is building these relationships with vendors from all over, right? If I'm doing a wedding in Georgia or South Carolina, I know a photographer to reach out to that's down there. It's just great deep network of people that I've gotten to know as a person, I've worked with them and it makes doing destination work for me so much easier, better.
0: Could you describe what a gauge is? Because I've had so many people talk about it. It's run by these two women, Catherine and Rebecca.
1: Yeah, it's just a luxury wedding conference. I've been to five or six now. It's always held at a beautiful spot. The last one I went to was in London. And there's always a really wonderful lineup of speakers. And it's small enough where you actually do kind of get the opportunity to talk to whomever you want to talk to. You kind of get like a little yearbook so you can kind of see who's gonna go like, oh i want to meet this one or i want to meet that one which is great and obviously you start talking with your friends and like the same group of people sometimes will go um but you do develop relationships and get to know people on another level of course we've all worked in the industry and we all spend saturday nights together where we're working and working and working but like do you ever have a lot of downtime with these people yeah but like I had just mentioned too, or meeting people from outside of your network of like New England, New York, Connecticut, like that kind of little world. Yeah.
0: So anything specific about the Boston or Tanglewood area?
1: It's a tough market right now. Oh, because I can imagine. COVID is the city, moving out yeah. there. Um, no, I just want to be back home. Um, my sister is disabled. She has MS. Oh, I'm sorry. And she needs a bit more help. My mom is still out there. I mean, I
0: in, Stockbridge.
1: I in Stockbridge. Yeah. And to be quite honest, you know, last summer with COVID, everything was canceled. Right. Well, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to rent a house in the Berkshires. And I rented a house in the Berkshires, which was actually pretty easy back then because Airbnb were not doing the short term stuff. Cause I booked it well in advance. So I booked, I basically reserved it for the whole summer. And they were like, we're glad we don't want a bunch of people in and out. Right. right. Yeah, that's to sterilize everything. Yes. So I brought my kids out there. I always joke, I say it was like a 1980 summer, Like they had the, the experience that I had. No structure. We just went outside and played. We hiked around like muddy trails and went to like the playground that I grew up going on that still has like dangerous things. <laughs> and it was great. And my kids had so much fun. They still talk about it. They're like, we want to go back to the Vections because they have like little boss <laughs> back. And they just had a great time. Like we'd go to like the farms and just kind of traipse around and like make up things to do. And we were just outside all the time. They weren't, like I said, over scheduled, and they could just kind of be creative and get bored. I think it's really good for kids to be bored because they yeah. have to out how not to be bored. So I want to have a place out there so we can go back out and visit and hang out and, Hopefully, I will do more do more out that way. Um, I love Tanglewood, but my favorite place to produce a wedding out there is Chesterwood.
0: Chesterwood. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's gorgeous. Um,
0: what do you think would be the most advantageous advice you could give bridal couples, bridal families on how to plan a wedding or what to expect when planning a wedding or the importance of having a planner?
1: I was just going to say the number one piece of advice would be to hire a planner because... I don't know if anything has had a better opportunity to prove the fact that planners are so valuable as COVID. The amount of scheduling and rescheduling and negotiating and lining up vendors and just moving things around. I mean, it's bananas. I can't even imagine if I was a volume planner, how difficult that would be.
0: A volume planner, like someone that does.
1: Like, you know, one week every weekend. That would be my number one piece of advice is to hire a planner and also to take their advice, right? Especially an experienced planner that. Been around for a number of years, who has worked with all the people. When it comes to planning an event, it's not about me. It's not about my aesthetic. It's not about who I like. I really try to get to know the couple and really make suggestions and recommendations based on what I think they're going to love um, and who's going to be the best fit for them because they're all so wildly different, right? But it's yeah, taking their advice and hiring really seasoned people. And really seasoned people cost more money than unseasoned people. COVID was actually a good opportunity for me to continue to develop relationships with vendors that I like to work with, even though we weren't working a lot. Again, I got to know them a little bit more just to see how people are handling all of these challenges too, right? You know, I think that, are they collaborative? Are they part of your team? I mean, from my perspective, that's important. I think the uh, another way for people to understand that are not in the industry what the value of a planner is, is like most of my clients hire interior decorators or interior designers, right? So they understand that. I'm like, we are the same thing.
0: (laughs) That you're the first person to explain it that way. That's, that makes total sense.
1: And they're not going to save you that much money. I mean, sure. We always want to make sure our clients get the best value and they're not spending money frivolously. But like my job is to not go back to all the vendors and shake all of you down to like give my client a discount.
0: Not asking Specific numbers. But if someone's having 75 people or they're having 200 people is your pricing structure. Obviously it's gotta be different because there's so many more people, but it's triple the amount of people. No. No,
1: no, because the smaller weddings, the smaller celebrations, I mean, there's even more of like a microscope on everything. Right. Yeah. And you're still doing the same amount of work. So, I don't charge that way. I also don't take kickbacks or do any of those things. I'm pretty straightforward. And then when it comes to, and again, I I always kind of use that example of an interior designer because I feel like it makes sense, Mm -hmm. right? I am saying to you, like, here's what I think you should do. If it's a very high-end or complicated wedding, I usually will bring on a creative director, another designer to kind of manage that piece while I manage all the logistics. It just seems to work really well for me you know, I am making recommendations. I typically don't give them three recommendations. Again, like an interior designer is not going to say, here are three electricians. Yeah. Here's who I think is the best fit for you. Let me know what your thoughts are.
0: So many people have said to me, yeah, I give them three bands, three photographers, three.
1: And that works for some people. And that's totally fine. I,
0: I, You're making them do the homework though.
1: Yes. I'm trying to save my clients time. Right. I obviously vet, make sure that the vendors are available first. And then you know, I present it to my clients. Usually like nine times out of 10, they're like, yeah, we love it. Let's do it sometimes they're like, I want to see another option or two. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. And then I'll go back to them. But like, my clients are usually really busy professionals that just don't have time. And that's why they're hiring a planner. And like, that's my value. You know, it's my expertise. It's the time.
0: (laughs) What I've also universally heard from all the, the, the best planners is they say, we work for very busy professionals who don't have time to do this and are very discerning.
1: Right, and I feel like those clients understand the value of hiring professionals that do those things for them because they they do it in other parts of their life, whether it's their attorney or their interior designer. Interior
0: designer is the perfect thing.
1: Right. Yeah. There's inherent value in an interior designer. There's inherent value in a planner. So I don't feel like I need to make up the difference of my fee by getting the vendors to give a discount. So I kind of look at it as like I'm saving you time. Your event is going to be 10 times better because you have a professional frustrating it for you and executing it for you. And it's,
0: and it's a big weight off your shoulder.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So what's the biggest challenge you find in planning? Someone calls you, you get the gig. What's mm-hmm. the hardest element of it?
1: I think it really depends on the wedding, you know, or the celebration. Because the challenges vary so greatly depending on where you are. I mean, logistically, is it in a museum? Because then it's loaded. <laughs> or like the amount of time that you have to set up. Is it? Yeah, it, it's, it varies. I mean, right now, honestly, it's destination outside of the United States
0: because of COVID. <laughs> That's the toughest thing. Have you gotten vaccinated?
1: Not yet. I've been f- checking like multiple times a day.
0: <laughs> Everyone over 18 will have the ability to get it by May 1st which is insane, right? which is great.
1: It's like a locomotive right now. It started off slow. The supply wasn't there. Now it's gaining momentum, you know, and, and I feel like it's going to just take off like a shot soon.
0: So when I got the second shot last week, it was so organized. I think they had as many volunteers as they had people online. And everyone was nice and had a smile on their face. And even the person giving you the shot, you know, it's, it's delightful.
1: Which shot did you end up getting? Did you
0: know? Yeah, the Moderna.
1: Okay. Did you Have you had your second one yet? Yes. Did you have second effects?
0: I had symptoms that lasted for two days. I was just tired. Yeah. My bones ached. You know, it's like you feel like you're just exhausted for two days, and then it was completely gone.
1: Yeah. So worth That's- it. Well, I have a wedding May 22nd in the Hudson Valley, so I'm hoping I get it before that wedding, but...
0: Yeah, that's, that's become a very hot it, place it, for people to go just to be two hours out of the city, an hour and a half out of the city. It's, and you're in a different, you're in a farmhouse. Yeah. So what are the challenges to that?
1: The challenge in that area is um, hotel rooms. There's just slip pickings, slim pickings up there. So that's a little challenging. So people have to be prepared to stay at like a holiday inn.
0: <laughs> is that part yeah. of your service?
1: Even in Boston, you know, I'll set up room blocks for people if they're getting married at wherever, the ICA, and they have out-of-town guests, I'll reach out to a few hotels and get them blocks. Yeah. That's, that's a challenge in like the more rural areas.
0: When someone books a wedding at a hotel or at any of these locations, is it part Mm -hmm. of the package that they get the bridal suite?
1: Usually they get a, a nice room. Yeah. Or a suite. And then like the little nice thing that they do is if if no one has booked, I don't want to say they always do this, but usually if no one has booked the presidential, they will upgrade the bride and groom, which is really great.
0: What didn't I ask you? I don't
1: know what else to ask. I have never done a podcast before. I never do stuff like that. I hate myself on a camera. If like someone wants to interview me, I'm usually like, eh. um, yeah, I've never done one.
0: Wow. <laughs> well, I'm delighted to be your first.
1: Yep. This is my first one.
0: Wow. This is exciting. You should do them all the time. Well, I think you're beautiful in the least creepy way. (laughs) (laughs) And if someone asks you to be on camera, jump, really.
1: So not my name, like.
0: Where do people find you on social media?
1: Okay, so my social media was, my Instagram account was recently hacked and deleted. (laughs) So I lost all 9,000 followers, I don't know. And then Instagram was basically useless and didn't help me at all.
0: Wait, did they call you and say you've been hacked in?
1: No, I went to log on and it was just gone. And so then I did like I went through all the steps of like reaching out being like oh my god it's gone blah, 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 like the whole thing.
0: You had 9000 followers did. and they're I all gone. This for
1: like I don't know 5 or 6 years. I was excited because I would look back. I'm nostalgic. I'm a cancer. I feel like we really like to keep keepsakes and I would look back at all my posts to also reference an event like oh who did I like who worked with me on this one and I would just look at Instagram and now I'm like I don't have that anymore. So that was a bummer but
0: and a lot of planners tell me that they get work from instagram
1: yes. yes people reach out people follow me like a potential brides start following me and then they'll call me like a month later
0: so they oh wow that's, that's like, flattering though that's nice because you put out your own content right it's what you want to be there
1: right yeah i post all my stuff and you know some personal things here and there just so because i yeah. have like the idea of like i want to like the people that i'm working with and vice versa you know and it's a enjoyable experience. So you're coming at me, and you don't have a sense of humor, and you take yourself so seriously, and everything's a chore. Like it's probably not a good fit for me, <laughs> you know. So like I think it, it's an extension of your personality. So it's Sarah Koval Events with an underscore. If you just start typing in Sarah coval Events, it'll pop up.
0: I know that's what I do Yeah,
1: and then Sarah events.com for my work. from from what I do. Instagram is the one that makes the most sense. Yeah,
0: because it's visual. People
1: want to see the pretty pictures. They want to see. Yeah. Um, And yeah, all the others. I mean, I know Jose is like a TikTok god now, but like I just, that's not me. Like being in front of, you know, and like making videos. I'm like, I, I just, that's not me.
0: Sarah, you are the best. Thanks. And I hope we can work together. I hope so too. You've been an absolute pleasure.
1: It's been my pleasure as well. Thanks for and
0: if someone asks you to be in a podcast, you now know it's pretty easy. It's
1: pretty being honest. Bye-bye. Take care.
0: You too. I really like the analogy of comparing a wedding planner to an interior designer. It's one of the most apt descriptions I've ever heard. So thank you for that. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. You can find me at DougWintersMusic.com, on Instagram at Doug Winters inc. Sarah, as she just told you, is at sarahcovoevents, K-O-V-E-L, dot com for her website, and sarahcovoevents underscore on Instagram. We've got a whole bunch of really exciting guests lined up until the end of April, then our 100th episode with a very, very special surprise guest. Until then, everybody, please stay safe. Get inoculated twice or once if it's Johnson & Johnson. I actually got to hug my son this weekend for the first time in a year. So everybody, please stay safe. Stay masked up. It's not nearly over yet. And I'm ready to start playing. Have a terrific week. And I will see you next Monday. Bye-bye now.